Thank you for tuning in to the Lakewood Grace Podcast. We're a church in Lakewood, Washington, and whether you're listening from around the corner or from around the world, we're glad that you're here. We hope this sermon equips you to be the Christian the world needs today. If you'd like to learn more about us, head on over to lakewoodgrace.com. And now, for this week's sermon. Good morning. It's so nice to be here this morning as we worship God together. I am Pastor Bill Ward, and I am called the pastor to Burmers and Builders. And today I want to give a shout out to Pastors James and Brad. They planned their messages a whole year in advance. And so James knew exactly when he was going to be gone for study leave and left me this passage, which we'll get into for just a minute. Um, He didn't want to jump into it. He wouldn't even give it to Brad, so I got it. Yeah, he calls it study leave. I call it chicken run. Here's that to James. You know, it's been a long time since we started our sermon with a joke. So in honor of James being away, I'm going to do a joke about golf versus baseball. You know, it took Barry Bonds an entire season to score his record 73 home runs in 2001. I can rack that score up on the golf course in one afternoon. And that's just on the first hole. And I can do it again on the second. (sighs) By the way, golf scoring is a lot harder than you might think, what with the penalty strokes and all. In fact, a recent survey said that 80% of golfers get confused They admit to being confused about how to keep their score. The survey called it cheating, which I think is pretty vicious, but also according to the survey, the other 20% were lying. Okay, so here's today's scripture. It's from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Oh, and thanks again, James, got your back. Hear the word of the Lord. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way that the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Finally, all of you, Be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do what is good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord, 
always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give reason for the hope that you have, but do so with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So have you heard this saying? It goes like this. Preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use words. Sounds kind of pithy, doesn't it? This was popular a few years back when the idea that you, was that you don't really need to speak the name of Jesus or share the gospel. Just live out Christ's love in such a way that people are blessed and maybe even ask you why you are the way you are. And this saying is almost always attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, but the best research that we have indicates that he never said such a thing and likely would not have. Francis was an outspoken and animated preacher who shared the gospel from town to town, sometimes teaching four and five times a day for over an hour. Now, don't worry. Um, but Francis was absolutely committed to sharing the gospel with passion and power in words as well as deeds. And what he did say was this, all the brothers must live in such a manner that their deeds do not disagree with their preaching. And I think this is at the core of what Peter is reminding his readers in our text today. Live in such a manner that the gospel you proclaim is proven in the life that you live and always be ready to give an answer for the hope that lives in you. So I'm going to do what Brad did last week and begin by reminding us of the context and flow of Peter's message. Going back to chapter 2 verses 11 and 16, Peter warns us that we are in a spiritual conflict that wages war with our very souls. We are indeed aliens and exiles in this world of our birth, but also representatives and ambassadors of the kingdom of God, of which we are truly citizens. As Pastor James put it, it would be ludicrous for us to invest our hope in this temporary dwelling. Like scoring in golf versus baseball, or trying to run a program for a Mac on a PC, it just won't work. We may be in this world's game, but we cannot play by this world's rules, or we will win only the prize that this world offers. A nice epitaph and a life without God. But we are made free in Christ. We are free of the greed, the guilt, the fear, the hopelessness of this world. And so because of that, we are privileged to live free because we are bond servants of Christ and his kingdom. And we're free to love and serve those that he died to save. And then as to the focus of this message, which is not just about husbands and wives, chapter 3, verses 8 and 15 are the lever and the fulcrum of Peter's message to us. In verse 8, it says, finally, and what that means here is the completeness of the matter of all this is that we be of like mind and character with Christ and one another. Sympathy, empathy, compassion. All these words are based on pathos from the Greek word pasco which means to suffer. Which anybody who's been to Pasco in Tri-Cities in the middle of August, you know what that means, suffering. But like Jesus, we're called to enter into the suffering, the living, loving, working, hurting, rejoicing in the midst of suffering and adversity of others around us. 
We are, as the ASV puts it, to be tender-hearted and humble-minded towards one another. That is a lever that moves spiritual mountains. And this, by the way, reveals something that I've always embraced, which I call the miraculous mathematics of prayer. Think about it this way. When we share in prayer, our joys and thanksgivings are multiplied, while our sorrows and burdens are divided. That's the magical mathematics of prayer. Now the fulcrum of this lever, the solid point against which everything else moves is this, that we sanctify, that is set apart, revere, make holy, Christ as Lord in our hearts. Then be ready to give a reason to anyone who asks you why you have such a hope alive in your heart. Because he is our hope, Jesus our Savior and our Lord. But he can only ever be both. He can never be just one or the other. He is Savior and Lord, so sanctify Christ as Lord in our hearts. Now, just one more bit of background then before we address this word on husbands and wives. Just as Brad unpacked the cultural differences between the various kinds of slavery in the first century Roman Empire, so we also must unpack the state of women and the norms of marriage in that culture. Roman law and custom had at least five different categories defining the roles and even the very personhood of women, of which a wife was but one. Many men of privilege had women in all five of these roles as part of their estate. And yes, even the women of high aristocracy were subject to these definitions and largely were treated as property. The most high-born and privileged women still could not speak in the forum, they could not vote or hold office, they could not even own property except under the auspices of a male patron. So in understanding what Peter is saying to the Christian refugees in Asia Minor in this first century situation, we must realize both how backward and repressive that culture really was toward women and how stunningly radical was the gospel proclamation concerning how Christian husbands and wives should engage one another against that background as co-heirs of the grace of life that we share in Christ. We can't lose sight of how stunning and radical that statement would have been in first century Roman Empire. So in the same way, this phrase is repeated several times through Peter's letter, in the same way, and it brings together each one of these acts of submission to be understood in light of the other. In the same way, this act of submission, of willingly placing yourselves before another in trust in God. It's the same for a citizen, a servant, a spiritual sibling, or a spouse. It is adopting a foundational faith in God that then frees us to love and serve others, and by our demeanor, exemplify the gospel that we proclaim. As Paul put it elsewhere, we submit to one another for the sake of Christ and his gospel. So let's actually start with husbands. We're to dwell with our wives in consideration, compassion, and understanding. The Greek word here is actually pseudoikontis, which means to make one home, one home. It's more than honor and respect and cherishing. As one commentator put it, husbands, you are to stake your life with your wife. Stake your life in her. The women, by and large, do have less physical strength than men. The broader meaning 
of weaker is more vulnerable. And that is true. As the message puts it, as women, they lack some of your advantages. That much is certainly true today. But in God's view, and in the community of Christ, women and men are fellow heirs, sharing in all the privileges, prerogatives, and perquisites of God's grace and life in Christ. Hear that. Fellow heirs, equal partners, sharing in all the privileges, prerogatives, and perquisites of God's grace and life in Christ. And it is in the same way that we also willingly place ourselves before our wives as full kingdom citizens, even as God told Abraham, in everything Sarah says to you, listen to her voice. And so it is that our prayers may not be hindered. And that suggests that the man who will not show honor to his wife cannot enjoy the depth of communication with God in his prayer life that his heart really desires. Remember, we submit to one another for the sake of Christ. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now to the wives. In the same way, once again, it calls in all the different ways in which we are to lay ourselves before one another in submission for the sake of Christ. Now one caveat is essential. We honor God and his word before any other authorities. And in no way does the word of God envision or condone abusive subjugation of women. If you are in a dangerous, abusive relationship, get out and get help. And although the dissolution of a marriage relationship breaks many hearts, including God's, the Lord understands that not all spouses are faithful or safe. But anyone who uses these passages to force women to remain in a toxic relationship abuses the word of God. But remember the context here. A woman finding freedom and the fullness of her personhood in the liberty of the gospel, married to an unbelieving spouse in first century Roman Empire, how will she engage her husband? Well, in the Roman culture, women were largely treated as property. And so keeping up her appearances would be a key feature. But Peter reminds us that the true beauty comes from within, a gentle and winsome spirit. A vicious or conniving heart is never going to be winsome. A wife, one to Christ, who turns to her husband with a new kind of love that goes far beyond appearances, whose heart is transformed in ways that nothing but grace can explain, now that's going to be attractive. And it might even raise some questions that lead to a wonderful opportunity for witness. And she will be ready to give an answer for the hope that lives within her. For many years as pastor, I did one of my favorite things, which was marriage preparation ministry, counseling for, parent, or for uh, couples that were preparing for marriage. And one of the things I taught couples to do is to fight unfair. I told them, if you fight fair as a married couple, you will lose. Not one, both. Because in a marriage relationship, there is never, ever a win-lose scenario. It's always win-win or lose-lose. Grace, mercy, and forbearing love are the weapons, and finding and destroying the barriers to our intimacy, our soul friendship, that 
It's the battle we wage. And so what I taught young couples to do, and even couples that were on to their second or third marriage, don't fight like this. Don't be head to head against each other, pushing back and forth to see who wins. Because whoever wins loses, along with whoever loses, because we're one flesh. You cannot tear down your beloved without tearing down yourself. But instead, remember what the fight is really about and turn from being head to head to side by side and fight the true foe, which is the barriers to intimacy and friendship and the allowing of God's grace to be at work in your life. And so couples line up side by side and find and deconstruct the barriers to their intimacy and friendship. That's the unfair fight and it's waged with the weapons of mercy and grace, the submission of which Peter speaks. Behind all these calls for submission, there's a recognition that we belong to Christ and so also to one another. This is true for sure in the body of Christ and hence the metaphor about one part of the body being in pain and all parts of the body suffering. But that's even more profoundly true in the relationship of marriage. We cannot tear down our beloved, but that we destroy ourselves in the process because we are one flesh. When they are wounded, wounded, so are we. And so all of you are to sanctify Christ as Lord. Remember, he can be Savior and Lord, but never one without the other. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Make Jesus your ruling reality, your operating system. Join his game and play by his rules, which are in opposition to the worldly ways with which we were brought up. Recognize that Christ is present among all the other believers, and he dearly loves even those yet outside the family of faith. We submit to one another for the sake of Christ. And with our faith fixed in him, we are now free to love and serve those he loves, believer and unbeliever alike. And though we seek for justice, we also cry for mercy, for our hearts desperately desire both. For here's the thing, justice cannot stand without mercy, and mercy cannot rest without justice. But only in Christ can these be fully married. As Psalm 8510 says, mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. So, what are the takeaways? First, get in the game, but make sure it's the right game with the right rules and the right score. Don't play, play by the rules of a kingdom that is passing away. Don't invest in the Motel 6. Remember that we are aliens and exiles, ambassadors to a foreign realm, and the things that we say and do should always match. So speak God's truth, this is the second. Speak God's truth and live it. Live God's truth and speak it. Jesus is the word become flesh, both are essential. So be ready always to give reason for the hope that lives in you. But don't let your actions contradict your testimony and do all things with a loving and humble heart. Third, put Christ first as Lord in your heart and in your life. Not just Savior, but Savior and Lord. Set yourself before him. Submit yourself to Christ and you will delight to love and serve those he loves with kindness, compassion, 
and humility. Number four, that includes everyone from billionaire to bellhop and realize that it can be the most difficult with those who are the closest to us. So take extra care to honor one another as fellow heirs to the riches of God's grace, as husbands and wives, parents and children, siblings, friends, members of the church. Realize how truly radical that is. So set yourselves before one another and stake your life one in the other, remembering that there is no win-lose scenario in the body of Christ, certainly not in the Christian marriage. Finally, as we do this, we will receive God's blessing, even in the midst of adversity. But more importantly, we will be a blessing to all as Christ is at work in us. Let us pray. Lord, we give thanks that in submitting to you and laying our lives at your feet, we don't become captives. You are not a vicious oppressor. In fact, you set us free to become members of your very body, extensions of your character, bringers of your peace, and speakers of your love. We pray, God, that we would always be ready to give an answer for the hope that lives in us as we reconcile and recognize you as Savior and Lord. Apart from you, we have no hope and no life, but in you we have life and everlasting hope. So Jesus, thank you for your love for us. May we submit to you so that your love may extend through us to all around us. And God bless us in our relationships as husbands, wives, parents, children, friends, church members, employers, employees, in all those relationships, Lord. May we be winsome and may we express your grace and mercy, your truth and righteousness together. It's in your name we pray and give thanks. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Lakewood Grace Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe and then head on over to lakewoodgrace.com slash connect where you'll find a link to contact us or you can fill out a communication card. Have a wonderful week. God bless.